0: So is it is it really necessary to ask how we're doing during quarantine still? It seems like that was like the thing to do six, seven weeks ago, keep asking people how they are. I feel like I'm tired of asking people how they are. I, I, uh, do I have to ask?
1: Um, well, I just finished editing our last episode that we haven't released yet, and you made a really big point about how we should be continuing to just ask, how are you? So I'm going to say, yes, you should ask me how I am.
0: Just throwing my own advice in my face.
1: Yes. Yes, I am. How are you? I'm doing fine. How are you?
0: I'm fine. Well, that was easy. <laughs> oh no,
1: no, we got that out of the way.
0: You're right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no,
0: I just, you know, I, 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 I don't know. The weather's been been better. I mean, we obviously still can't go out and mingle with people and stuff like that. Do people mingle anymore? Is that a thing?
1: Well, you and I definitely don't mingle with people. No,
0: no, no, no. I don't even mingle with even them.
1: before <laughs> this.
0: Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> mingle a funny word when you think it about is. it. <laughs> Um, but I, uh, I don't know. It's been, you know, we've had some, some good stretch of weather up here in the Northeast. So, you know, it kind of has that spring, early summer feel to it. So, I mean, outside of the, you know, the devastation, uh, you know, it's been, uh, okay. You know, I've been, I've been better. I think the weather plays a big role in that. So definitely. So we have another guest, um, on, uh, on tap here for conversations with creatives. On a podcast for creators, this is someone that we've we wanted to have have on for a while now, and um, we were fortunate enough to be able to to book her. Um, one of the things that stands out about our guest um, Jen Hartman is she's incredible uh, uh, in terms of uh, providing guidance on how digital teams can create content within large companies and organizations, and that was sort of my pitch to Michelle when we were looking to schedule Jen. Um, but then the coronavirus hit and our focus kind of shifted because Jen's focus kind of shifted from what she was doing before March 1st and then what she was doing now uh, after March 1st and up into to present day as, uh, as the director of strategic public relations for John Deere. So she kind of got thrown into this right on the outset of, of COVID-19 hitting. Uh, you talk about trial by fire. She's living it. And we thought it would be uh, a really fun episode to sort of go deep on what that feels like. What is it like to you know ascend the the hierarchy and the communications division in a major company, and then all of a sudden you reach sort of this this peak role and bam, you're hit with the crisis of all crises
1: so if you are expecting to hear an interview with a very accomplished professional, that's definitely what you're going to get, but I think. What I got the most out of this was in the way that Jen was willing to open up and share kind of her, her human vulnerable side through not just this, this crisis that we're going through right now, but her, her entire career. And I just, I really appreciated her outlook and approach on kind of striking that balance between being professional and approaching your work with heart. Hi, I'm Michelle, an entrepreneur and creative business coach.
0: Hi, I'm Steve, and I'm a social media and digital content strategist.
1: We're friends with a shared passion for creativity in all its forms.
0: Through this podcast, you'll find ideas to help up your game and share experiences with a community of creatives who understand what it's like to work and create in a digital world.
1: If the episode you're about to hear sparks something inside you, share your voice by connecting with us on social media, at pod for creatives on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook.
2: What's interesting is I took, I became head of PR six weeks ago. So wow. I took over PR right when this happened. So it's kind of interesting how... It all played out. Yeah. <laughs> so, not again. Yeah, yeah so right.
0: May, maybe the appropriate first question here is: is how are you? <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know what's crazy is, um, so my predecessor was head of PR for 20 years at Deer, and I've worked with him for the past couple of years. He was my boss when I was a social media manager for Deer, and certainly taking over PR during a pandemic was not how I planned this to go, but. You very quickly have to navigate this company and all my colleagues globally. All the contacts that I would normally have had to call and just said, "Hey, um, I just you know took over this role. I'd love to get together with you and chat about your role and and how we're going to work together." There was none of that, right? It was just immediately crisis mitigation <laughs> and risk management right out of the gates, and I have already built so many strong relationships in these six weeks that oddly enough, it's really worked out very well.
0: Because so. that, that was going to be my question. So much about PR is about relationships and it's not just external, but it's, but it's internal, right? I mean, you have a team and you're trying to build and grow and work towards a common goal and to be sort of, and I know you have, you have had years of, of time at, at John Deere to kind of build relationships, but yeah, when you're thrust, you know, into this situation with very little time to prepare for something I mean crises happen but this is unlike anything we've ever kind of dealt with Um, what is that what is that feeling like almost immediately
2: well you know what's funny is two days before um, my predecessor retired I sat down with him and I said hey you know I don't plan to reach out to you him and I had gotten very close and I leaned on him for a lot right from a mentoring standpoint and I said if there's ever a big crisis would you mind if I gave you a call? Like, it seems so crazy to me that I was asking that on February 28th. Wow. Oh. Yeah. Wow. If there's ever a big crisis, could yeah. I someday call you?
0: It's like you predicted the future. You Yeah. You this thing happen. And you know what
2: he said? He said no. <laughs> and I think part of it is that he was ready, but he also wanted me to stand on my own. Yeah. And that was one of the best gifts he could have ever given me is to say no, because right out of the gate, I didn't have him to fall back on. And, you know, you mentioned relationships, not only internally, but externally. I haven't built a lot of media relationships in this company. I mean, I have been in MarCom, I worked with trade media, but in terms of working with, you know, the major business pubs, the AP Reuters and others, you know, I was talking to Wall Street Journal two days into this job, Mm -hmm. you know, and um, so I didn't have those relationships and that, that certainly helps when you have a PR agency. So we, I, you know, I've been leaning on them quite a bit. Um, but internally, um, we just started having calls all the time with my colleagues in Brazil and Germany and Mexico and India and Australia and New Zealand. And it really became also this huge effort across the company to align our messaging Whether you were a marketing manager, advertising, PR, or social, we were all speaking from the same narrative with the same goals and the same objectives. And that is, I think, what will ultimately, we'll look back and, and find that we, that was the single best thing we could have done. We're not one of those brands that's going to be right out of the gates with one of those innovative approaches that's, you know, wow, they knew exactly what to do right when this started. We take yeah. a lot of time at Deer, but I think that time allowed us to all get on the same page. And whether it's um, my colleague in Germany talking to a Mannheim reporter or it's my colleague in Brazil talking to a TV station, we're all saying the same thing yeah. um, and speaking from that same hymnal. So that has worked really well.
1: Did you feel like it was actually a great opportunity for the company to refine kind of what you guys stand for? Like, did you feel like that was, are you seeing now that that may have been a little bit unclear before the crisis began? Yes.
2: Yeah. Cause you know, Deer historically has been very humble, very quiet, very conservative. Um, PR was very much about risk mitigation and playing defense. There hasn't been a lot of storytelling. Um, And so very quickly, and that's another um, fun part about taking this over during a crisis, is everyone else has other things to think about. No one's really worried too much about what I'm I'm doing. Um, We had a lot of factories to keep up and running, right? And so um, it really gave us an opportunity. So one of the things we did is we converted one of our factories to start producing face shields for healthcare workers. And um, we've already distributed like 225,000 of those. And, and there's a lot of companies that beat us to that too, right? Ford was right out of the gates when, when they shut down their factories producing PPE f- face shields for healthcare workers. And I think that, you know, they're well past a million now. But what we did is we I, we worked with our 17 manufacturing units in the u.s and we shipped all the face shields from our factory that was producing those to all those manufacturing units so the production employees and the employees that manage those operations could work with their local healthcare services and it became very grassroots right and we did 17 media events in each one of those communities and i just got some analysis back that showed that 50 percent of deer's coverage has not been about COVID 19 confirmed cases um and and um production shutdown it's been about face shields you know that's what the media has been covering um and so yes to your point it's it's finding those nuggets we can share you know one of the pieces of advice our PR agency gave me right out of the gates is that intentions matter right now don't wait for the oh we have we're gonna make two million face shields and we're gonna you know let people know the little things you're doing. So we've been highlighting, you know, engineers that are inventing, you know, 3D printable clips that you can attach face shields to on a bump cap and um, 3D printable, you know, clips that you can open door handles with that our engineers have invented during this. So those little stories, it feels weird to be a company as big as, as Deer and tell those little stories, but it's worked. It And it, it's going to be a powerful lesson for me moving forward, right? That I don't need to wait for those big stories. I can tell the little ones and have it mean something.
0: How much of a learning curve was there to sort of, I mean, you obviously have industry knowledge working in at Deer for, for as long as you have, but all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're doing so much more and while the intentions to serve and to support your your, you know, in this case, your country, but you have a, you have an audience as well. It's a little bit, different right so like how much was the learning curve to sort of get up to speed on on this this area of production on this area that you know you haven't really gone down that road before
2: you know what helped i've been at deer for 12 years eight of those years was at harvester works where we build combines okay um and part of that job for two years was hosting all of our gold key tours and as part of gold key tours you bring in customers to see their (laughs) combine being built on the line and you spend four to five hours with them walking through the production processes and you're part of the leadership team on the factory um, leadership team and that in and of itself single-handedly was the best um, experience I could have gotten going into this crisis because so much, of, if you think about crisis management, you know I've been in PR my, almost my whole career and usually you're thinking about one event and at Dear, a crisis would be a fire at a factory or God forbid, a fatality at a factory. We had a situation where we could have a crisis event, meaning a potential outbreak, right? Or, um, you know, and initially, right, it was every positive or confirmed case of COVID. right? Um, And all of a sudden you had the potential to have crisis events at every single factory and unit in our company at the same time. And you had, and and we had operation teams preparing every one of these units to keep employees safe, to um, respond consistently um, for each one of these potential confirmed cases. You know, we were working with the communicators at each of the factories on different scenarios to make sure that no matter what unit you were at in the world, there was a consistent communication approach um, to how we navigated various scenarios at the unit level. So... The experience I had at the factory is so unique. Not a lot of communicators even at Deer, have that. And I don't know how I would have navigated this without that experience, because I knew the factory. I knew how it works.
1: That kind of gives me chills. (laughs) Just thinking about like like your story and that, yeah, I'm sure you were there and you were doing your job, but you weren't thinking like, this is gonna be really, really important later on. And you didn't even know that it was coming. Right. And
2: part of it, too, is having the empathy for, you know, it gets thrown a lot, a lot, this, you know, the, the idea of the essential worker, right, and, and um, all these individuals who are going on into work, um, because they're considered part of an essential industry, and deer was one of those, right, and the empathy I had for our production employees, and, you know, and you think about a company as big as Deere, how long it would typically take for us to put all the protections and safeguards in place and to change policies and how we pay our employees, right? One of the first things Deer did was made sure that employees knew if they had been exposed or if they um, even were symptomatic, if they didn't feel well, that they would get paid if they stayed home, right? Like, that was a decision we made early on. I am wowed by our company for making a decision that critical that quickly. You know, in these big companies, sometimes it can take forever to make these decisions. And to watch this company suddenly make these very quick decisions that made all the difference, right? If employees know they can stay home and not be at work and still get paid, that's going to prevent, right, a lot of folks from catching um, this virus. So that was number one. But then, You know, you just watch six weeks of, addition. you know, everyone's best practices, right? You learn and you're watching what other industries are doing. So I felt for not only the production employees going to work, but I felt for the operation teams having to protect those employees, right? And to make sure we're doing this as safe as possible. The expectation that we're going to keep producing equipment for farmers who need this equipment and yet, you know, employees who are feeling very vulnerable. That was a, it was a tough spot to be in. And from a PR perspective, a tough spot to be in, you know, you, you want to, um, there was some talk about, you know, how do we thank our production employees, but you don't want to be condescending either, right? You don't want to be, you know, hi, I'm salaried, I'm working from home, and I just want to, you know, thank you production employees for the great work you're doing. Um, you have to be mindful all the time about the kind of decision they're making every day going into work.
1: So this might sound like an ignorant question because Steve's our PR person. I do not have PR experience, but I'm just curious. For the
0: podcast or in, oh, in general, yes, yes.
1: In life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe not so much for the podcast. Hmm. But um, I'm curious in your role, because you, I feel like you've talked so much about the employees and the company and you see, I can like hear the compassion in your, in your voice. Is your role speaking to the public, or are you also responsible for like the PR within the company as well and communicating and making sure employees know what's going on?
2: I think we're finding out in this, and again, it's a great advantage about me taking over during this is that you can't differentiate the two in today's world um, and I think to my experience being the social media manager for two years right I mean part of PR now I know the minute we have a confirmed case at a factory and we communicate to employees that the media is going to see it on social because a family member is going to post that hey my husband works at this factory and there's going to be a member of the media that's going to call me so there is no You know, and sometimes it feels odd to communicate, to have a statement for the media. Um, Let's say if we have a temporary production shutdown that we haven't shared with employees yet, right? And so I think in this instance, um, our communications team, which is brand and social and PR, we are all working so closely together. Um, We were having a daily hour-long meeting to go through every tactic. Um, we're doing it now three times a week to just make sure what's being said internally is being shared externally, and that we're lockstep here because it, impl- I don't want employees to feel like they have to go out to Twitter or Facebook to find out what's happening at our company, um, or to read it. You know, in in our local newspaper, um, it, it'd be preferable that they hear it from us. So,
0: so those different components of your of your company working cohesively together talk a little bit about that foundation because that's not always the case in in some organizations and you have you know this this you know group going off doing this and this group and and not everybody talks together and in the middle of a crisis it's really important how integral was that to this process
2: (laughs) so there's another interesting thing not only did I take this over Um, March 1st but um, our we had an an entire reorganization that was announced November 1st and that new organization put corporate communications and PR and social and brand all under one our vice president of brand and communications now. Uh, March was quite a year for you. Yes (laughs) so you know what and again I go back to it's just been a fantastic way to get us all um to very quickly to quit worrying about so who's doing what what's the role what's the responsibility we've just all been jumping in just diving in and and by the way corporate citizenship is part of that too right and the deer foundation so it's just the storytelling feels natural um, because we're all um all the channels are now under one organization Um, and that has made it um, that channel management and content um strategy um, has made it um, really cohesive, like you said. It it's just worked exceptionally well.
0: You talked about having to do some um, unique storytelling um, with different, you know, um, with with deer doing different things during this 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 pandemic to yeah. um, you know to better society um, in a different way than it typically would. Mm-hmm. Talk about what that storytelling um, has looked like. You know, how how do you take something that is a little bit foreign to what you would typically do in a non-pandemic crisis situation in terms of uh, production and use your channels that are in existence that have an audience that might be following you for certain purposes whether it's just seeing tractors whether it's seeing people writing or, or but but now you're talking about doing something a little bit different how do you go about you know communicating to an outward audience that might be looking to you for something different than what you are serving up for them right now in this time of need?
2: Probably the, the biggest thing that's helped is we've had a pretty clear understanding of audiences on each channel. So one thing we knew right out of the gates is that our ag audience was probably going to take this a little differently. Um, When you think about how this crisis unfolded, and isn't it crazy how we look back six weeks, like it is, this has all happened. So much has happened in six weeks. Um, But you know, this, this really happened in the coastal areas first, right? Big you know, urban areas. And if you think about our our um, ad community, it's very rural and it's planting season right now. And they, they're thinking about planting and their operations and pretty much operations as normal, right? And so we knew that we needed to be mindful of the work they needed to get done and their need to know that they could count on their local dealer to support their equipment right and that the parts they needed would be there their dealer would be able to support them if they had repairs or issues or even equipment purchases to make we almost had to take our twitter audience so that that's where the ag audiences is, is on twitter um and while we did do some i would say COVID 19 related content um it was really more about reminding them that we were still running so our big the big you know, mantra that we used was that we wanted to pay tribute to the people that are keeping things running. And that was construction workers, farmers, um, and the industries we serve as well as our employees, right? So using that, who, who's keeping things running, right? And then that really became the focus of how content was created, and what our message was. Um, and so keeping things running also meant we had to show that we as a company were still running as normal. So symbolically we wanted our social channels to still be cranking out content and in some ways maybe even look like the content they've always expected from us. Mm-hmm. Um because we wanted to not look atypical. We wanted them to feel confident that we would be there for them. So we needed our social channels to look familiar. At the same time, we've got, you know, I'd say, you know, our Facebook audience is very much families, right? Um, And so that became about, you know, recognizing, well, parents are keeping things running. What can we do for them right now? And so it became about, you know, kids activities and interactive, you know, um, posts about, you know, coloring and, and using your imagination to draw deer equipment, that kind of stuff. LinkedIn um, surprisingly became a channel where, I, I mentioned this earlier, if we posted something about that engineer that had invented, had invented a clip, right? Um, that holds a bump cap, you know, holds a facial on bump cap, that got more engagement than anything Deer as a company was doing. So we, we recognized very quickly that people really wanted to hear about what in, individuals were doing to help. Yeah. And it didn't matter how small it might seem, if it helped one person, um, it was resonating with folks, right? Um, and so I think it, it helped us kind of step back um, at the same time to quit thinking about having everything be so polished and and put through the entire creative process. But instead, you know, in that, that whole mantra again about keep things running. Let's get this out there. Let's get this posted. Let's go. Right? Yeah. Um, I, I hope it's something we carry through for here on out. I worry we're going to go back. <laughs> um, you know, I worry we're going to go back to very campaign by campaign by campaign, that it's going to be, OK, this month we have this event happening and we need this content created for this, because the way we've been telling this story across the board um, has just worked so well
0: it paints such a great picture because I feel like, I mean, we all want to be a part of something bigger than ourselves and we all want to be a part of a solution. And that's why we're, you know, people give blood, people are, are, yeah. are, are, sewing at home and, and, you know, to have, um, you know, a major company where you have individuals who are doing their part to help. Um, I think we all recognize that as something that we want to be a part of. And it ladders back to, to your core beliefs probably too, as, yeah. as, as a company.
2: Yeah. Have you all read the book, team of teams?
0: I have not. Yeah. I have not. No.
2: Yeah, okay. It's a good one. Um, but that's what really what it's about. It's it's also about how you have you trust each other. You you trust each other to follow that mission, right? Keep things running. That that just became our m- mantra, right? And and celebrate the people that are keeping things running. And you aren't second guessing each other you're not second guessing whatever hey you know our our you know our graphic designers got that that he's got the visual design we got a copywriter doing this no one was questioning it or sitting around a table and hashing it out and second guessing it we were just running um, and and that's i think something i hope our team will continue to um, model moving forward
1: i want to step back to talking about your social strategy during this time did that change for um for the crisis or were you guys already doing that really catering the content to the audience on each individual platform because i hope everyone in our audience who listens to this episode is like taking notes during that because i feel like that's what steve and i strive for we don't always get it right especially with the podcast cuz we have limited time but mm-hmm. to hear how specifically you knew who you're talking to in those three different places and how different the content was. That's just, I just want to say bravo.
2: <laughs> well, thank you. That was that, that took a couple of years. It, we actually have been dedicated to, Oh gosh, I want to say a year and a half ago, we started a pro. We called it clearing the channels. Um, we, all of our channels were just a, a, a um, complete dumping ground and i apologize for people that were (laughs) contributing content at the time but we just didn't have a process for you know it was like if anybody had content it was just scheduled to be posted because we had it and because it's free and because you know we might as well just throw it out there and so we spent the last year um, clearing the channels and really setting the foundation to start what you're talking about populating those channels with custom content for those audiences This crisis put this into action. So I wouldn't say we were there yet in any kind of robust way, but I definitely think this crisis event and the amount of content we've been created that's been specific to each channel, I hope, again, will continue after this because it worked exceptionally well.
1: I was just gonna ask that. Do you feel like, I mean, I know we're only working with six weeks worth of data, but do you feel like you've seen a pretty positive response
2: We have, I just saw some of the numbers today. We've had a 40% increase in engagement. Um, We've had 75% increase in impressions on some channels. Um, You know, part of that too, I think a lot of folks are tuned in, right? Um, But I also think we've tapped into something there um, in, in making sure that the content fits the channel and the audience. So it's working. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: One thing that that's really stood out to me in the last six weeks with brands that have sort of, I don't know, got it. You know, there's always that phrase, they get it. The ones that I feel like have, have, have really understood this time period are the ones that are taking this time to engage with, with followers and fans in the comments, you know, interacting with them, um, paying them attention. Um, Mm -hmm. Have you? I mean, not not that you do or don't, but have you seen an uptick in that um, during this time, where you know, active listening, social listening, and 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 engagement with followers, um, have you seen any kind of of, of ROI with that?
2: Yeah, so one of the things we've always tried to do in social is a lot of, um, and I know a lot of people hate the term surprise and delight, um, but we do look for and actively seek out opportunities where we can, you know, send something um, special to their homes. Um, Right out of the gates, our social team made a concerted effort to double those efforts. Um, We felt like folks are going to be struggling right now a bit, Um, they may be online a bit more than usual, Um, let's do more outreach. Um, So we did do that. It's so hard to measure ROI on those things. Um, I think if nothing else, it just makes all of us feel really great um, to surprise folks at home or folks that are struggling. You know, right now, to be honest, right now is just a a lot of conversation about planting. Um, It's, you know, we have peak seasons on social and it's during planting season and it's during harvesting season. Um, And so we've, you know, been engaging um, as much as I think we would normally do in those situations. We have, you know, 24 hour social care um, for um, our farmers if they need customer support. but we've also been very careful to make sure that we're striking the right tone. And, you know, it's very easy again to think, well, you know, now things are starting to feel a bit normal, but I think, you know, we, we, we paused publishing the first week, this really became, you know, what I would consider to be a crisis event. We wanted to be sure that engagements weren't too um, light, right, and, and that we were being cautious and careful in, in how we were having those conversations with folks. Um, I think one of the most rewarding things has been, you know, I mentioned we were we've been distributing those face shields locally. And um, we've been getting a lot of uh, DMs from people who work at deer or who knows someone that works at DEER, whose neighbor is a nurse, or whose, you know, son is, you know, a doctor and, and receive some of our face shields. So those have been the, the, the most rewarding engagements we've had are the people sending us pictures of nurses and doctors that are receiving those face shields.
0: What's the best thing you've heard personally, thanks to your efforts and what you've kind of set out here over the last couple of weeks? What, what, what piece of feedback has sort of kept you going?
2: There is a Business Insider article that was written on five employees on the front lines of manufacturing facilities that have converted their um, manufacturing to PPE production. And one of our employees is featured in that. And so to have played a part in helping him share his story, Um, And this is a young man who talks about the fact that his wife passed away two years ago and he doesn't want anyone else to know that grief. And that making these face shields means he could perhaps protect someone from ever going through that. I would (laughs) take everything else that has happened the last six weeks and that one opportunity that that one that opportunity I had to help that young man tell his story and share why this is so meaningful to him um
0: makes I'm a sense though. yeah <laughs> yeah and
1: please yeah. uh share that if you can share that link with us and we'd love to put it in, will. The, in the show notes I will um, for sure so you can keep that keep that message being for spread sure. and touch some more people in for the sure audience. yeah
0: and I think it's like I think it's great that the example that you shared has nothing to do with with you personally and your position. It has everything to do with the people you work with, and I think it just shows the attitude that a company that one wants to partner with, whether you're buying from it, working for it, wants to feel.
2: You know what? It's funny you say that because I was talking to a PR colleague in in our ag and turf division, and I said, you forget sometimes we're a Fortune 100 company because- I I will use the term local yokel, but we work so local yokel, right? Like the fact that we are working with 17 small communities to distribute face shields on a local level, you know, rather than working with the Department of Homeland Security or like, you know, some major health agency, you know, we're going through all the right channels, right? And we're doing all the right, you know, regulatory steps to make this happen. But I love that we work so grassroots and i love that you know we are you know putting our dealers right like making you know making sure our dealers are equipped to serve those customers and you know keeping our parts depots up and running so there's those dealers can serve their customers i that, that to me is the most rewarding part of this. Um, and man, if we can keep farmers planting and we all have food on our tables in the fall, I mean, that's that's really where it comes down to.
1: Steve sent me a link to your LinkedIn profile today, which is your your um, all the jobs you've had and the amount of time that you've been at John Deere. It's, I mean, it's quite extensive and very impressive, but I love the juxtaposition of your resume next to the tweet that is pinned at the top of your profile, which basically <laughs> says that you know nothing. I mean, it's, and it's right. such a obviously a, a humble approach to your work. Speak about what inspired that tweet, if you can. <laughs> My
2: gosh. You know, I think it's because, you know, especially only being, I was only the social media manager, I think I put two years, but you know, I did it two years before that as an advertising manager and you can read all the books in the world and you can follow every social media and I'll use air quotes expert and you can go to conferences and you can be part of associations and there, there is no one that really knows right i i feel like you know every post i think is going to do well fails and every post i think is going to fail do well does well right there it just my gosh it still feels like such a guessing game and you just i i talk a lot in my twitter feed about following your gut because there is no there is no manual for how there's no manual for social media and a playbook and by the way it's so dependent on your company and your audience in the channel and and what frankly what people are feeling that hour right like when it lands in their feed um,
0: we just did an episode we just did an episode that's coming out tomorrow on culture and and how much it impacts social media how much it impacts communication and I I feel like the more we talk about it, the more I've read about certain case studies and things like that. It's it it's like the defining characteristic of whether or not something's going to work or not.
2: Well, and don't I was gonna say too, don't you think um, you know, my the my predecessor that retired, you know, he said to me, you know, what has made you, you know, what has made social work for you, Jen, is you're a good communicator. And I think ultimately that's what it comes down to, right? I, and that's true of marketing, public relations, or social it's probably true of everything right if if you know if you know communication and and but a lot of that is you can't put your finger on it you it literally is following your gut it's like a gut instinct what what is going to perform well today what isn't um but like i said even then you push that send button and it's a it's a gamble you have no idea um and so i think i think it's good to remind people I think I've tweeted about this before, too. It's like there's this myth that when you grow up, people are going to have it all together and we're going to know all the answers. And and it's like when you're a college student, you think professionals have it all together. And then when you're a professional, you think the C-suite has it all together, right? And you find out that none of us do. We just really don't. And, And we're all doing the best we can with what we have and what we know at the time. And I think it's refreshing for students and young people and young professionals to know that that's okay. You really aren't ever going to have it all figured out. Yeah. Um, you're just going to keep doing the best you can with what you know at the time. So that's yeah, where I that tweet that. came
0: from. <laughs> I love that. And it's like a reassuring feeling too, that, you know, we're all on this journey and we're all trying to figure things out. and you know we try to yeah. learn from as many smart people as we can but yeah. you know even yeah. they probably don't have it all together too
2: exactly so. right you just have to put yourself out there and that yeah. is so scary it's scary
1: it is but i love how you said you know kind of when in doubt you have to go with your gut go with go what's in your heart mm-hmm. and i think that we sometimes we don't want to show what's in our heart because it makes makes us feel vulnerable but then we forget that like that is the thing that's going to make the connection yeah. that's why following our our gut is so powerful
2: yeah i just actually told um a, a gentleman who has become a, a really strong source of mentoring throughout this uh, crisis and i just said to him the other day i worry too much i worry that i care too much right that i that i get um too emotionally involved in some of the uh narratives <laughs> but, you know because you know deer needs to have uh that corporate you know i need to be very mindful of that um outward facing communication sometimes right that um it, it can't be always emotional <laughs> or you know from my heart but i've got to be able to share facts you know very objectively um and he has counseled me to not lose how much i care Um, but just to continue to be mindful of it, right? To be mindful of that need to, you know, objectively share what we know, um, while at the same time, you know, putting my heart behind it.
1: (laughs) I think that's a really challenging balance. It is. (laughs) (laughs) It
2: is, is. this has been, I think for, uh, you know, we also sometimes I think forget that throughout this, there's people suffering, right? You know, when you you look in the news, if you look, if you Google COVID-19 employee, because I do that a lot, right, because I, I want to stay tuned in to how other companies are navigating this crisis, and particularly when it comes to the employees that are being impacted by this, right? You see the stories about Amazon and others, and, you know, for every confirmed case, that's, that's a, that's got to be very daunting, scary, and a source of a lot of anxiety for that entire family, right? So it's not just news. So right, like, objectively, yes, I am reporting that we have a confirmed case at such and such facility. But emotionally, I think as a company, it, and every company, it creates pause, right? This is, this is like I said, a unique crisis in that this is not a single event, but a series of events that can happen across the company
0: so Jen we have um, a section when we have um, guests on where we basically have a segment called the profile where we have like seven questions for you and it doesn't have to be rapid-fire but um but basically it's just kind of gives us a little bit of a clearer picture of who you are so um, so we'll start with favorite social platform and why
2: Twitter obsessed. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, you know, I becoming the social or the PR manager, I, I will tell you it's six weeks in and I still don't know how to let go of Twitter. Like I, I still own Deer's Twitter handle because I don't know how to let go of it. <laughs> um, and I think I love Twitter because it's two way. And I, I love how you can engage with some of the most important people in the world directly right in 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 an instant and you're not hearing it through the filter of anyone else right um and so i think that's probably without question my favorite channel do i think from a brand perspective it's the best channel Um, it's certainly um a powerful opportunity for us to connect with our farmers right so i do think it's valuable there if you're we're looking at mass reach you know instagram and facebook are going to be that platform for us but I just love the way you can have those conversations, even as a brand.
0: No, it's, it's wonderful. Um, book that you've read recently that you couldn't put down?
2: Atomic Habits by James Cleary.
0: Okay. Now, Michelle is the reader of this. Of this <laughs> and that is not a fun materials. book. That's oh. a
2: business. It's more of a, you know, teach yourself how to pick up, um, you know, habits.
1: That's a, um, it's that'll stick. Awesome book. I read it last year.
0: What keeps you up at night? from a work perspective?
1: Sure. Anything,
2: Well, okay. So if it can be anything, I have a 17 year old daughter who has autism. So I, you know, I think probably, and being home now with her, it is a little timely from a work perspective because I'm home with her now. Right. And, and doing e-learning with her and doing her school work with her. And so I think Probably what's keeping me up at night is what the next several years are gonna mean for her mm-hmm. and how do we help her become independent and to live independently and um, how am I going to let her <laughs> live independently because i I think she's ready I don't know that I'm ready
0: is it gonna be harder to let go of the dear Twitter handle or is it <laughs> what's the
2: I don't know those are those are both pretty yeah let my 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 daughter go or um... <laughs> Yeah, but that's probably what's keeping up. And I think I'm more mindful of it right now because I am teaching her. Right. So I'm seeing firsthand some of the challenges she has, and yet also seeing the potential she has. Um, so right now, that's what comes to mind first.
0: It's got to be such a rewarding time, too, as a mom.
2: Yeah, it is. Yeah, It is. My biggest concern right now is she obsesses about her birthday every year and her birthday is May 21st. And so... Every year, and I, I kid this, kid you not, you know, lots of people on the spectrum, you know, kind of obsessed about certain things. And her birthday is it, right? And she will start <laughs> planning her birthday May twenty second, and so she she wants a big Star Wars birthday. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So today's a big day for I'm yeah. trying oh, to figure
2: good. out how May, how by May 21st I can come up with a virtual, you know, Star Wars themed party. Or like, you know, a lot of people are doing those drive-by yeah. birthday parties. Um, so right now, that might even be keeping me up a little bit right now. Like how I make <laughs> this birthday be what she <laughs> is hoping it'll be. Um, but anyway.
1: We'd love to like see what you come up with on Twitter if you feel comfortable. Okay, I will. <laughs> I
0: will. What do you wish you were better at?
2: taking my time. I wish I was better at planning. I wish I was better at strategy. Um, you know, Mark, Mark. Do you all know Mark Pollard? Yeah. Okay. He had asked to talk to me. He wanted to do an interview on the podcast and I was so intimidated by that because I was like, oh my God, all he talks about is strategy and I'm the worst <laughs> at strategy, right? Like when I said a thing from my like, listen to your gut, like I follow my gut. I am not a person to sit down and document and track and, you know, do creative blueprints and creative briefs, and I'm just not that person. Everything I do is just off the cuff, right? And I I know how important and valuable it is to be a thoughtful planner and to have a documented strategy. So I wish I was better at that, um, because I, I don't do it at all. I try. You know, I always, like, get first of the year, I always start like a really big, like robust, like I'm going to be better about this. And I just don't. So
1: you made me feel really good with that answer because (laughs) I work in a very, very similar way to you. Definitely from the gut. Like I'm really good at, I am really good at making plans, but then I think I just throw them all out the window because it's like, how, how am I feeling in that moment? I'm like, no, that yes. was stupid. Why did I think yes. that, that was a good idea? I'm I'd rather rolling. do this.
2: Yeah, and I don't want to be held accountable to that plan I just presented to you last week because I changed my mind this week. I'm going. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so our next question is, what is the best piece of advice you've received?
2: My predecessor that I keep referring to is um, when we were meeting prior to me taking over this role, um, I kept wanting him to spell it out for me, right? I kept wanting him to, well, how do you know when to do a statement versus a news release? How do you know when to answer that call from the reporter or to have the agency take care of it? How do you know when to take it to the C-suite or when to not? Like I kept wanting, here I am saying I don't like to plan. I wanted the plan, right? I don't, I don't want to plan, but I wanted somebody else's plan. And he, he's a big baseball guy. He kept saying, Jen, you have to pick up the bat and swing. You just have to pick up the bat and swing. And that, you know, if you think about the six weeks, that mantra has been in my head as well, right? I just have to pick up the bat and swing. I may not know what I'm doing right now, but I have no choice. I just have to go. Um, And so I think honestly, that has been one of the most powerful pieces of advice I've gotten here recently.
1: Who is a person who you would Want to trade places with for a day?
2: I th- you know I'll think about it from a work perspective. I think it'd be really fun to swap um, social media sites with someone for a day.
1: Ooh, I love that! Yeah, I love the idea of that. Right?
2: And like, let me take the New York Stock Exchange for Matthew Kobach <laughs> and he can take he can take the Deer Channel for a day. I think that could be really interesting. Um, and it, it, I've always wanted to meet the Tesla social media team. Mm -hmm. um I find it fascinating some of what they have to navigate from a a leadership standpoint and then you know just from the and they have similar they would have a similar um social audience as we would in terms of you know automobiles or tractors I guess um so yeah I guess that's what I would say god I guess I'd switch with like a Matthew Kobach and switch social
0: I would sign up I would sign up for that as well
1: a really fun answer. All right. So our last question in the profile, this is kind of your if you're ever asked to give a speech um, for like a college commencement, you can use this as a starting point. How do you define success?
2: Are you finding joy in what you're doing? And if you can answer yes to that, you have found success.
0: Have you found success? I
2: have. Yes. An abundance of it. Yes.
1: What's next for you? What do you still have on the horizon? What's something that you'd still like to do in your career that you haven't done yet?
2: I want to give a TED talk. I mean, like that's like a that's like a life goal for me is to give a TED talk. I've got you know I've got some ideas, (laughs) some work related, some personal. Yeah. Right. Um. You know, one of my TED talks would be to jointly give a TED talk with my daughter. That would be amazing. That would be awesome. And, and so, um, her and I have talked about that and then I think, you know, um, I've got some ideas professionally and and perhaps it's around that joy, right? Yeah. And, and what success looks like, um, because joy means a lot of different things to different people. Um, it does, if you're going after money, you want to be rich, you're going to be joyful (laughs) if you're rich, right? Or, or you will find joy in that. Um, but some people will find joy in a lot, you know, more simpler things. So
0: I really hope that happens. I yeah. would sign up for that. In our-
2: <laughs> good. Well, I just put it out in the universe. So yeah, yeah
0: right. we'll
1: be cheer- cheering <laughs> you on and following along. And I think I mean, I could see it happening. So thank you.
0: How, anything that that you felt like we missed that we didn't ask? Are you, are you pretty content with everything?
1: This felt um, actually pretty therapeutic. <laughs> oh, that's so good. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, to just kind of talk to folks. It is fun to talk to people in the industry right like you know when you're able to t- it's not the same thing to talk to your family <laughs> about sure. what's happening right um, so it's helpful to have um, people you can have these conversations with and, and talk through it out loud
1: <laughs> also, so. this is such a treat for us and we, we really appreciate your time and your the energy that you brought to this
2: thank you I look forward to, to tuning in
0: if you've enjoyed this episode, help us spread the word on social media. Tag us at Pod4Creatives and let us know which stood out to you.
1: And we, we don't have to talk about this tonight, but we should find, find a time to talk about what we're going to do for 50.
0: The golden, silver, what is this? Golden? golden. I think
1: golden, yeah. <laughs> we missed silver.
0: <laughs> well, I wonder what 25 was. <laughs> do you remember off the top of your head?
1: 25 was, do you read what I read?
0: Oh, it beat me to it. I just got to the page.
1: Your answer? No.
0: No, never.
1: (laughs) But I really love that title because it came out around Christmas.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it was. I love how it's like books mentioned in this episode. Of mice and men. (laughs) (laughs)